0: Well, hey, good morning. Uh, If this was like most Easter's, if this was like every Easter that I've had as a pastor it would be about now in the service, that I would come out and there'd be a bunch of you in the room and I would come and I would loudly proclaim with joy, I'd say, He is risen. And then I would invite hundreds of you who are in this worship area together with us to respond to what I just said by saying, He is risen Indeed well things are a little different this easter right i'm not going to scream he has risen to myself because i'm in an empty room with some cameras and some equipment and cords running all over the place right and you're there in your house and the way that we're doing easter is a little different this year but here's the important thing and the thing that brandon's already highlighted during the worship set is this even though the way that we're doing easter the way this year that we're celebrating easter may have changed the thing that we're celebrating hasn't changed at all. Because the thing that we're celebrating this Easter is the fact that he is risen and that he is risen indeed. And no matter what circumstances, no matter what's different, no matter what's happened, that truth hasn't changed. And that's the truth that we're here to celebrate and rejoice in together. So as we look at forward to what god has for us in this text this easter i invite you to pray with me and then we'll jump into the easter story and see what that truth has for us in our lives today let me pray father uh, we do come and the way in which we're coming today to celebrate easter has changed um and we're not together in one place but we're so grateful that your character hasn't changed that your love for us hasn't changed that your sovereignty hasn't changed, that the fact that you're in control of all things hasn't changed, and the truth that Jesus did come back to life, that truth hasn't changed. So Father, I pray that as we're gathered together as a church family today, uh, that this will be a time of joy as we think about Jesus, and we think about the story, and we think about the truth, and that your Holy Spirit will help us realize what impact that that has for us today. And we pray these things in the name of our risen King, for whom we're so grateful, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, hey, as we gather together this Easter, right, probably, uh, not probably, actually, right now, you're watching this Easter service on a screen. And some of you throughout the past few weeks have sent me pictures of yourself on your recliner, snuggled up with like your hot chocolate and favorite blanket, watching uh, the sermon Somebody has claimed that their eyes were open, but they looked a little sleepy to me, right? This morning, you're watching this service on a screen. It's probably a screen for many of you that throughout the past several weeks, you've been watching a lot of stuff on, right? This morning, as you're watching this service on your screen, you've been watching a ton of different movies. You've been binge-watching series. You've been, man, Netflix has been like 24-7 in your house coming across on this screen. Maybe... Binge-watching movies isn't really what you've been doing, but man, maybe you're a reader and you'd prefer to read things, and so these past several weeks, what you've been doing is you've just been reading story after story after story. Man, I I am unashamed. I'm I'm not afraid to binge-watch some stuff, and my family and I have been binge-watching different things on Netflix. I also like to read. And so when I kind of caught wind that this whole closure deal was coming down the pike, man, one of the... Two important things, right? I I made sure we had a grocery store run in before everybody tried to steal all the toilet paper. And then I also made a run to the library. Got me a big old stack of books to try to make it through my social distancing, right? And and whether you like to read and whether you've been reading a bunch of stories this few weeks or or whether you've been binge-watching a bunch of different things through this screen, there's a commonality in the stories that you've been reading or in the movies and TV shows you've been watching. and, And here's what it is. In most of those, there's a character. And the character, at some point in the story, has a really good moment, right? Things are good, and then something happens. There's some circumstances that come in the plot, and then the character has this this bad moment. They work themselves out of that bad moment, and it starts to get good. And if you've lived a little bit, you know, ooh, I don't think the story's over yet, right? Because right when they meet the girl, or everybody's happy, or they think it's okay, man, there's one more circumstance that makes it bad, and then finally, most of the times, it resolves, in a good manner, in the movies and series that you've been binge-watching, or the books that you've been reading in the weeks leading up to today, man, there's a character who has some good moments, who has some circumstances where the plot line shifts, and it goes up and down and up and down and up and down. And in the Easter story, There's a character who's had that same experience. In the Easter story, there's a guy who's had, man, started off really, really well and then hit a low point and then some circumstances and then the plot line of his story went up, right? And the the guy who's had that experience of good, bad, good is a guy named Peter. Peter. And here's the deal and the ups and downs of the story that we're going to look at about Peter as we think about him Man, when he had some low moments in his life, there was a way that Peter was able to find hope, and there was something that gave Peter strength directly linked with the Easter story. And this morning, maybe if you're listening or watching and you're like, man, I could use some hope, I need a little strength to stand upon, we don't want to miss what it is that gave Peter hope, and we don't want to miss what it is that gave Peter strength because the very same thing in the Easter story is the ultimate thing. That gives me hope and that gives you hope and strength today so we're going to kind of study this guy named peter and there's another important word to remember as we jump into his life and here's the other word right kind of a new phrase here's the word nissan 14 nissan 14 i'm going to ask if anybody knows what nissan 14 means but like even if you're there in your living room and you know what it means you can't really tell me right because I don't know if Dave Katz knows what Nissan 14, Nissan 14, anybody know what that is? It's not a new car. It's not like some new droid that's in the Mandalorian series. Here's what Nissan 14 is. It's a date in the Jewish calendar. And during the Easter, right, the times Jesus lived in the Easter story, things, dates where there was a Jewish calendar that ran it, Nissan 14, and Nissan 14 was the date on the Jewish calendar when Jesus was arrested, and the same date on which Jesus was killed, because in that time, a day ran from sunrise, that's when, I mean sunset, that's when the day started, and it would end again at sunset, and that whole sunset to sunset period was a day, and Nisan 14 was the date that Jesus was arrested, Man, and before Nissan 14 and Peter's story and the plot line of his life, coming into Nisan 14, man, Peter was kind of at a high point in his story. Peter and the, the ministry of Jesus had been building, right? And Jesus had been talking about this kingdom's coming. Peter walks into Nisan 14 and the days leading up to it with his typical confidence, swagger. Peter was this blue-collar fisherman. If there was like this adult Easter egg... Hunt at a park, and the adults started to kind of get into fisticuffs. Man, if there was this massive riot at the park among a bunch of adults trying to find Easter eggs, Peter would be the guy that you'd want there, right? Peter was a no nonsense, brash, confident, act first, think leader dude. And man, coming into this, he's got that swagger, he's got that boldness. He's heard Jesus say some things to him before Nisan 14 about how Peter, hey, man, there's going to be some suffering. I'm going to suffer, I'm going to get arrested. And Peter actually rebuked Jesus. Peter's like, Jesus, whoa, you're being really negative, right? Like, Jesus, you're you're peaking in the polls, right? You're not going to suffer. Let's think positively. Peter had heard Jesus say that for everybody who was following him and had given up things to follow Jesus, they were going to receive what they had given up for him. Man, in, in huge proportions, they'd get more of that. And Peter's thinking to himself, man, I've given up a lot of things to follow Jesus, and now payday's coming. There's good things that are out there. Before Nisan 14, Peter was part of this parade through the capital city, right, through Jerusalem. And Jesus had rode into town like a king. And there were crowds and there were people cheering and there was this energy and positivity. And man, this is a high point in the plot line. Peter, over the time, has gotten a lot of authority and he's kind of Jesus' right-hand man and he's this key leader and there's all this hope there's all this expectation it's in a good place in the story but then in Peter's story Nissan 14 comes and you and I right we we don't have a Nissan 14 <clears throat> as we think about the easter stories we think about Peter's story as we try to just be honest about where we are in our story you and I don't have a calendar that has nissan 14 on it but you know what we do have march 8th we do have march 8th do you know what date march 8th is march 8th is the date that the first case of coronavirus was uh, identified was diagnosed in connecticut man just over a little over a month ago and just think for to yourself man what was your life like before march 8th January, February, first part of March, what were things like for you? Maybe for you, before March 8th, you were like Peter, and you were at a really good place in your story, right? Maybe before March 8th, you you got some retirement tucked away, your stocks are doing good. You're like, yeah, I'm kind of cruising, maybe before March 8th. You had a job that you really enjoyed, and it was like, man, my business is growing. My job is going well. Maybe you had an opportunity for some different employment and some new employment that was out there on the horizon, and you were excited about that. Maybe before March 8th, man, health-wise, you were great. Your family was great. Everybody was great. Maybe you just were in a good groove, And maybe last year was hard, but coming out of January and February and into March, you'd kind of settle into this groove and this pattern, and man, things were feeling good. You just felt like you were starting to get some traction. Maybe before March 8th, you had some amazing plans and hopes and expectations about what was going to be coming up in the spring and the summer. I don't know what March 8th was like before for you, but maybe that's what March 8th was like. Like Peter before Nisan 14, you also before March 8th, you were in just a great place and life was good. Well, what happens to Peter on and after Nisan 14? On and after the day that Jesus was arrested, on and after Nisan 14, what happens in the plot line of Peter's story? Story that starts great. What happens? Well, everything changes for him on nissan 14. the plot line of his story goes from really really good to man plot twist it craters really really bad because jesus was arrested and the good trajectory that everything seemed to be on in that moment was changed in a heartbeat disillusionment starts to build within peter and the others Man, Jesus, like we talked about last week, went into this garden and there was essentially a SWAT team that surrounded him. One of the things that uh, I do love to watch, and I've said it a few times if you've been a Calvary man, live PD. I'm like addicted to live PD. My daughter for Christmas gave me this amazing coffee mug, right, that references live PD and, you know, has some verbiage on there like, Trust me, right? I I watch live PD. I'm basically a cop. Live PD. I don't know if you ever watched it, but if you have not watched it, let me kind of tell you what you can expect. Police cameras are live, going in different police cars throughout the country and and different units, right? And and every live PD, there's some folks. Who the police ride up on them and man these guys for whatever reason they don't really want to engage with the cops they have some fear they're worried they don't want to go to jail and so you know what they hightail it right they scatter and then there's this typical two to three minute police chase where the police are chasing them they're running because they don't want to go to jail when the police show up they hightail it out of there well guess what for peter and the rest of the guys. On Nissan 14, when the police show up, there was this initial little scuffle. But then, man, one of the biographers of Jesus tells us what happens. And it says, then all the disciples left him, being Jesus, and fled. It's like Jerusalem PD. Soldiers show up, a little bit of a scuffle. But when the disciples realize, okay, this is bad, Jesus is actually going, man, they hightail it out of there. And you know why they hightail it out of there? Because they're scared. They're scared. And then Jesus has kind of brought that night into this booking area almost, right, for a first hearing. And a few of the disciples kind of tag along. Peter's one of them who's tagging along. They're tagging along at a distance, but there's still this fear. And let's just kind of read a little bit out of the story of that night to get a, a more insight into what Peter's feeling. Jesus is being led away to this booking, to this first hearing. And it The the biographers tell us how the disciples, some of them, are following a different. Simon Peter followed Jesus, and so did another disciple. Since that other disciple was known to the high priest, he entered with Jesus into the courtyard of the high priest. But Peter stood outside the door. One of Jesus' disciples is like, okay, I'm going to go in with Jesus. And Peter's like, no, I'm not going into that detention center. I'm not going to that jail. I'm not going to that. I'm going to stay out here because I don't want to be associated with Jesus because I don't want to end up where he is. We don't know the exact circumstance, but here's what happened. This, this one guy goes in and then he comes back out, right? The, the disciple who was known to the high priest went out and he spoke to the servant girl who kept watch to the door and then he brought Peter in. So Peter decides, okay, I guess I'll come in and he was going to come into these walls into this inner courtyard. And as he goes past this little servant who was there at the door, the servant girl at the door said to Peter, You also are not one of this man's disciples, are you? And he said, I am not. Right? doesn't want to be associated with Jesus. There's fear. There's worry. He doesn't want to end up where Jesus is. And then he walks into this inner courtyard, and Jesus is in some area of this compound being questioned as part of his arrest. And Peter doesn't go to where he is. Here's what we see. Now the servants and the officers had made a charcoal fire because it was cold, and they were standing and warming themselves. Peter also was with them, standing and warming himself. In this moment when Jesus has been arrested on Nisan 14, Peter's not standing with Jesus. Ironically, Peter goes and stands with the enemies of Jesus, the people who are opposed to Jesus. And he's scared. Throughout the course of that evening, there's a few more people who say to Peter, hey, weren't you with him? And Peter's like, no, I don't even know the dude you're talking about. Peter's slowly distancing himself from Jesus. And things don't change in the story throughout the next few days. There's this mention of Peter, right? There's mention that all the followers had seen Jesus killed. But you know what? Peter's not the guy that shows up to claim Jesus' body. Peter... The right-hand man of Jesus isn't the guy that helped to bury Jesus. Peter didn't attend Jesus' burial. We do know what Peter is doing in the days after, in the hours after Nisan 14, right? We do know what he's doing instead of being at the burial because one of the biographers continues to tell us, and John describes the situation and says, this is where Peter is after Jesus has been buried and during the times Jesus is being buried. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews. And Peter's kind of invented social distancing. Locked himself away with some of the other followers because Peter is scared. And Peter doesn't want to have the same fate that Jesus has, and Peter doesn't even want to be seen at the burial of Jesus out of fear, so he's locked himself away. And maybe at this point there's some doubt and there's some disillusionment that's starting to creep into Peter's mind. Maybe Peter's thinking, this wasn't supposed to happen. This wasn't the story that, that, that I had projected Jesus made all these promises about being a king, and now he's six feet inside of a tomb. And maybe Peter's starting to think to himself, I don't don't know if I can trust Jesus. Because if Jesus couldn't take care of himself, then how is he going to take care of me? And maybe with all of his fear, and all of his worry, and all of his anxiety, and his life changing radically, and the plot line of his story going from good to bad. Maybe Peter's thinking to himself, you know what, all those things that Jesus said are a little bit hollow. Maybe Peter's thinking to himself, man, all those promises that Jesus said, they they feel a little bit empty. After Nisan 14, Peter's story, Peter's plot line, man, tanked and cratered. And this is where we find Peter on the evening of Nisan 14, right? And in the days following, and, and maybe... After March eighth, maybe, maybe some of us find ourselves in a similar place in the plot line of our story. After March eighth, since March eighth, since the coronavirus was first identified in Connecticut, kind of what's the plot line and trajectory of your story? For some of you, man, maybe there's not really been any impact by this whole situation that's happened over essentially a month. Maybe for some of you, though, you're in a great place in the plot line of your story, right? Everything's great. The money's still coming in. You're grateful for that. You're thankful for that. Your family remains healthy. You're actually making some great memories of your family, and you're in a great place in your story. But for others of you, since March 8th, maybe you're not in a great place in your story. For others of you, since March 8th, maybe you find yourself in a place in the story where Peter was, and maybe. This low spot in your life that you find yourself is a place of fear. Maybe you have fear because of some things that have happened since March 8th. Maybe you have fear because of your health or family members' health. Maybe you have fear and anxiety because you've lost work. Maybe you have fear and anxiety because you're just uncertain about the next steps. Maybe there's discouragement in your story. Because there were these expectations, there were these hopes that have just been dashed. Maybe this morning and maybe since March 8th, you've just felt really, really lonely. And the anxiety that, man, God had helped you get under control and the depression that you've been working through and dealing with, it has just peaked since March 8th. And maybe since March 8th and just all the things that are going on, right, you're not necessarily in a low place, but you're in an interesting place in your story. Because you believe in Jesus, but you're thinking to yourself, man, can I still can I trust Jesus' promises even in this moment? Do they feel a little hollow to me? Or, or maybe this whole situation with the coronavirus, it's caused you to become a little more spiritually aware to things, and your spiritual radar is just a little up, and you don't really know what you believe about God, but you have some Christian friends who are talking about this relationship that they have with God, and you're like, I don't really know what all that lingo is like what's that about this idea of a relationship with god if you're feeling in a low place today or discouraged place in the plot line of your story what i want to tell you is there's hope and if you're in a great place in your story today but next week or the week after that something comes and life throws you a curveball that causes you to become discouraged what i want to remind you of is there is hope And to understand that hope, to be able to grasp that hope, we need to think about what Peter's doing 50 days later. Let's jump ahead 50 days. We've last seen Peter in this low point in his story. Remember where he is. He's locked away. He doesn't want to associate with Jesus, be associated with Jesus. He doesn't want people to know he was part of the Jesus group, right? He's scared. He has fear. He probably has doubt. That's where we last left Peter. Now let's move 50 days, two months, essentially, ahead in the story. What's Peter doing 50 days later in the story? He's in Jerusalem. Jerusalem is packed. Because there's this major event that's going on. So think about uh, New York City, New Year's Eve, Times Square, right? Packed, packed, packed. Think about maybe Boston when they're running the Boston Marathon. Packed, packed, packed. Jerusalem is packed. There's tons of people. There's crowds. And you know who's right there in the middle of those crowds? Peter. Peter. He's not social distancing anymore. He's not hiding himself away. Peter's in the middle of that crowd and he's not pretending like he doesn't know Jesus. In fact, Peter's doing just the opposite. Peter is boldly talking to the people who are gathered around to these immense crowds. Peter's talking to them about Jesus. And Peter's trying to put the story of Jesus and Jesus' life into context with the, old, with the whole Bible and the Old Testament. And interestingly, there's the religious people, there's the soldiers, there's the people who were like the conspiracy to have Jesus arrested. And Peter, in this moment, 50 days later, man, he is bold. He's not scared. He's kind of in these guys' face. And what he's saying to them is, guys, look, I'm telling you from the Old Testament who Jesus was. And he's looking the religious people in the eye with all of these crowds around. And he's saying, and oh, by the way, you religious people, you wrongly murdered Jesus. Man, Peter's not hiding. Peter's not scared. Peter's not filled with fear. Peter's not filled with I don't know what to do next. Peter is in the middle of the place, proudly associated with Jesus, with courage, with boldness, with hope. With confidence and the question is why why things started good for Peter but there were circumstances that got him to a low point now Peter's at this place where man he's leading again he's confident he's hopeful what changed What caused the plot line of his story to change? Why is he no longer filled with fear? Why is he filled with courage and hope when just 50 days or so or lesser, he was filled with this fear, not knowing what to do? Well, Peter tells us what changed. Peter doesn't make us have to guess because in part of his speech to these guys, Peter told them what happens, and this is what he says in Acts. Acts 2 kind of starting in 23 here's what he says Acts is a great book it's about the history of the church after Jesus death and here's what Peter says after telling about Jesus and linking with the whole with the old testament he sa- says this This Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men right man he's like sticking it to these dudes And then he says this, then he tells them what changed, and he tells us what's changed, and he tells us what gave him hope. God raised him up, loosing the pangs of death because it was not possible for him to be held by it. You crucified him, and Peter says, but you know what? God raised him up. God raised him up, loosing the pangs of death because it was not possible for him to be held by it. And then flipping down a few other verses, Peter says this, This Jesus God raised up, and of that we all are witnesses. God raised him up. He came back to life. And what Peter's saying is of that, we are all witnesses. If you were to go after lunch, after you eat your honey-baked ham or whatever you're having today, or your scalloped potatoes, and you read the biographies of Jesus, you're going to see that after his death, right, Jesus does appear raised up. That's what we're celebrating today. Death couldn't hold him. He comes back to life and he has conversations with the disciples. And what Peter is saying on the street that day and what Peter is reminding us of on this day is he says, you know what changed? You know what made me not fearful anymore? I saw a dead man walking. I saw a dead man walking. I saw my friend, my leader, my king come back to life. And what Peter realizes is because he came back to life, he could be trusted. Seeing the resurrected Jesus and the resurrection of Jesus pierced through all of the fear and hopelessness and despair and disillusionment that Peter had experienced on and after Nisan 14. Seeing the resurrected Jesus caused Peter to realize this. It caused him to realize, man, this dude came back from the dead. right? What we're talking about is not like, yeah, it rained a little bit today. Or, oh, I went to get a coffee and it was a little burnt. Oh, they overdid my, a- this is, I saw a guy come back from the dead. And Peter is saying in his mind, his heart, and because that guy came back from the dead, you know what? I can trust that guy. Because Jesus defeated death, Jesus can be trusted. And because Jesus can be trusted, we can have hope. Because Jesus defeated death. Because Jesus conquered death, Jesus can be trusted, right? I mean, if one of your friends who died had told you and he came back to life, I'm thinking we should probably listen to what that person told us. Well, Peter knows, and what a bunch of us know, and what you can know and can be reminded of this morning is this. Because Jesus conquered death, Jesus can be trusted, and because Jesus can be trusted, we can have hope. And there's three different types of hope that you and I can have this morning. Here's the first area of hope that we can have this morning. We can have hope of things being right with God. You and I this morning, we can have hope of things being right with God. You know why? Because Jesus took away what was wrong between us and God. Jesus took away what was wrong between us and God. And what was wrong between us and God is this word that's gotten a little outdated, but is that the heart of everything, what was wrong between us and God was our sin, my sin. That, that, man, even if you've put on a suit this Easter and you have dappied your dappied, dappered yourself up right man all of us have had moments in our life where we thought we knew better than god all of us have had moments in our life where we thought god was holding out on us and we are going to do it our own way and that's sin and god never moved god has never ever ever moved in your life or my life or our lives we're the one who moved We're the one who in our sin, in our desire to run our own lives, in our desire to do it our own way, even if that desire is legalistic, pharisaical pride that we're churchy and we don't need Jesus' help, man, we've tried to do it our way. And that's sin. And what we know about God who's revealed himself to us is that, man, God is a just God. And God knows what you know, and what you know is that sin causes harm and sin causes damage, and sin, it doesn't seem right for it not to be punished, right? You've had people, excuse me, in your life who have committed some sort of sin or wrong against you. You've had somebody lie or hurt you or deceive you or betray you. And justice requires that sin that they cause to you. Man, it just seems just that that's not fair. It should be taken care of. And in his justice, man, God doesn't want the pain of sin and the evil of sin to go unpunished. He's a just God who in his justice wants to punish sin because sin causes pain. But he's also a loving God. And he's a God who doesn't want to punish me for my sin he's a god who doesn't want to punish us for our sins and so there's a just god who in justice has to punish what is unjust like sin but there's a loving god who doesn't want to punish people he loves because of their sin and so what does he do and so the solution to that situation was jesus who voluntarily said out of love God, punish me. God, punish me. Everything that they did, every wrong that they've committed, instead of punishing them for it, God, will you punish me instead as their substitute? That's Why Jesus died, part of what was involved in his crucifixion for these political and religious reasons was also him putting himself on a place where he voluntarily said, Father, put all of their sin upon me here on this cross and punish me for all of their sin. In that moment, there was this exchange that took place where Jesus said, okay, I'm willing to take your sin and I'm willing to give to you my righteousness my holiness, my perfection. I'm going to swap your sin. Give it to me and I'll give to you my righteousness so that you can be forgiven by the Father, so that you can be restored by God, so that you'll never have to worry about the things that you've done so that you can have hope of being right with God. And what Jesus said throughout his life and what the people who follow Jesus says, man, the way that we receive what Jesus has done is by faith. Not by showing up, right, on Easter and Christmas Eve. Not by trying to cuss less. Not by working really hard to social distance at ShopRite. Not by trying to be good, but by realizing we can never be good enough. And so in faith that that is the story of Easter, this exchange, this substitute, we put our faith in that to receive forgiveness. So many religions, so many are all about what we have to do for God to make it right. Christianity is the exact opposite. It's about what Jesus has done for us to make it right. And Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. I am the way to have things right with God. And because Jesus conquered death, Jesus can be trusted that he wasn't lying. And because Jesus can be trusted, we can have hope of things being right with God. But there's a second hope that we can have. And the second hope that we can have is this hope in life. Hope in this life. After Boldly there in that Jerusalem with that crowd and those big events and Peter giving that sermon, that was kind of the beginning of Peter Becoming this pastor and church leader and church planter. Man, he planted a bunch of churches. He led a lot of emerging future leaders. He went through a lot of ups and downs in his life. And as he got older, he wrote a letter back to one of those churches. He wrote a letter to Christians who he knew were going through persecution. Christians who were hidden away in their homes, not because of the coronavirus, but because the Roman emperor wanted to kill them. And they were going through all this anxiety and all these worries in their stories and in their plot lines. And he writes these words. Peter writes these words to those Christians and he says this. Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God so at the proper time he may exalt you. Casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you casting all your anxieties upon him because he cares for you today this easter no matter where you find yourself in the plot line of your story, if you're at a good apex or you're cratered or you're coming up, if there are things that are stressing you, if there are things that are weighing you down, what Peter says is, hey, today, man, quit holding on to those anxieties. Quit clinging to the fear. Cast, right? Cast the idea of -ah!" get rid of, cast those anxieties upon him And you know why? Because he cares for you. You can trust God with whatever you're fearing. You can trust God with whatever you're worried about today. Jesus may not keep us from every storm in life, right? These past months, we know that. Jesus doesn't keep us from every storm in life, but Jesus is always a security and a strong place and a safety in every storm of life. Jesus may not keep us from every storm of life, but in every storm of life, man, Jesus is a security and a safe place and a foundation. And we can cast our cares upon the triune God because he cares for us. We can have hope of things being right with God. We can have hope in this life. But because Jesus conquered death, Jesus can be trusted, which means we can have hope. And we can also have hope in this third area. We can have hope of what comes after this life. The hope is that this, that death doesn't have the final word. Death didn't have the final word with Jesus, and death won't have the final word with us because Jesus put death in its grave. And because Jesus put death in its grave, The hope that we can have is that death isn't the end of the story and there's more to the story than this. And the hope that we have of something after this life, right? The hope that we have of what comes after this life is being in the presence of the Father and the Son and the Spirit for all eternity and finally and fully experiencing what we've been longing for for years. With God, perfected, complete, restored, shalom, forever. And that's hope. That when our story ends here, no matter what the plot line of our story has been like through our lives, when our story ends here, our story isn't over, our story continues in the presence of God forever. Forever. Hey, <clears throat> this Easter Sunday, a lot's changed. You didn't put on your tie. You're there in your bathrobe. You didn't go stand in line at Honey Baked Ham. You had Instacart deliver some, I don't know, container of spam to you. There's been a lot that's changed this Easter. But one thing that hasn't changed is that He is risen and He is risen indeed. Indeed. And because Jesus conquered death, Jesus can be trusted. And because you can trust Jesus, you can have hope. Hope today of things being right with God. Hope in this life as the plot line of your story goes up and down. And hope of what comes after this story. Because Jesus conquered death jesus can be trusted and because jesus can be trusted we can have hope because he is risen and he is risen indeed hey i'd ask you man we're about to sing a song together called living hope right a great way as we land our sermon to just affirm through songs through lyrics through music, the reality of this hope. So don't go run to turn your oven yet, right? Don't go check your rolls. Don't start making like your ambrosia dessert yet. Man, I'd ask you to stick around with us for for several more minutes, a few more minutes, that we just sing one last final song together called Living Hope. And as we celebrate together as a community, the hope that we have. Let me pray and then we'll sing this song. Father, man, I pray that today that your spirit will really help remind us of the absolute confidence and certainty we have of the resurrection of Jesus and the hope that flows from that. I pray that today we will live our lives in such a way that we will affirm Jesus, we'll honor Jesus, we'll be grateful to Jesus, that we'll we'll further have our hearts satisfied by Jesus, and we'll ask the Spirit to help us understand Jesus. If there's people who are watching this who, man, they don't know what they believe, I pray the simplicity of the gospel and that Jesus was their substitute and that they receive that by faith, Father. We know that you're the one that draws people to yourselves, and we know that you can do that through TV screens and iPad screens and online services. And we pray that you'll do that. And Father, thank you for the chance now as a community to affirm the living hope that we have because of the resurrection of Jesus, who one day we'll see. And it's in his name that we pray this Easter Sunday. Amen.